Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. We are thankful for our mothers. Moms are our teachers, nurses, housekeepers, stylists, chefs, taxi drivers, personal shoppers, and our prayer warriors. Today, John brings us a special message from God's Word titled, Life Lessons from a Single Mom. Mother's Day, of course, is a very special day, and I came across some quotes last week about mothers that I thought you might enjoy this morning. Some of them are a little bit serious and some of them a little more funny. One of them said, mothers hold their children's hands for a short while, but their hearts forever. Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Now, a lot of us feel that way, and that's a great quote by President Lincoln. Mark Twain said, my mother had a great deal of trouble out of me, but I think she enjoyed it. Now, I kind of like that one. <laughs> Somebody said, the most remarkable thing about my mother is that for 30 years, she served the family nothing but leftovers. The original meal has never been discovered. So <laughs> that's pretty good. And then somebody said, thanks for everything, Mom, and please forgive me for years 13 through 21. <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty good. You know, as I thought about Mother's Day, it's such a special, special day. On, on Mother's Day, we think about the influence that our moms have had on our lives. We think about the strength of a mother. We think about the faith of a mother. We think about the perseverance of a mother. You know, we just can't help but think about the lessons that we've learned from our moms through the years. And today, all across the country, preachers will be preaching a special Mother's Day sermon. And most all those preachers will take a mother from the Bible, and that will be the sermon. Some today will preach on Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Others today will preach on Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Some will preach on Ruth, the mother of Obed. Many today will preach on Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and some today will preach on Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, the names that I've mentioned there kind of form the, the mountain peaks of motherhood as we read about them in the Bible. But today, I want us to think about a mother that's a little bit less known. She probably won't get much attention in pulpits across the nation today, but there are nonetheless some tremendous lessons that we can learn from this lady. Her name is Hagar. She's not as familiar as the others, but she teaches us a great deal. So if you have your Bible this morning, if you would open it, please, to the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, chapter number 16. We're going to be looking, beginning our study today in chapter 16. A little background on Hagar. She was Sarah's maidservant. You're familiar with Abraham and his wife, Sarah, and you know that they were unable to conceive, unable to have children. And yet, when Abraham was 75 and Sarah was 65, God made a promise that they would become parents. Time went by. Ten years went by, and still they had no child. And so Sarah goes to Abraham and says, look, I know God made us a promise, but it's not working out. We don't have any kids uh, yet. And so maybe what God wants us to do is to take matters into our own hands. So I've got an idea. 
What I want you to do is to go in to Hagar, my maidservant. Interestingly, Hagar was an Egyptian lady. And Sarah said, Abraham, I want you to have sexual relations with her, and then she can conceive, and she can have a child on my behalf. And so Abraham agreed to that, and and Sarah went to Hagar and explained the plan to her and, and gave Hagar to Abraham, and they had relations, and sure enough, Uh, She conceived, and she gave a son to Abraham. And so that's the background on Hagar. Now, as we think about Hagar's life, I want to make four very quick observations of her that I think will help us to be able to relate to her no matter where we may be in our own lives. Certainly, there are many moms here today. There are many others of us here today who are not moms, and so we wonder, does the Mother's Day message have anything to do with me? Well, yes, it does. First of all, in chapter 16 and verse 4, we learn that Hagar was an imperfect person. She was an imperfect person. After she had conceived and and become pregnant, notice what it says. So he went into Hagar, that is, Abraham went into her, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress, that is Sarah, became despised in her eyes. In other words, at this moment, Hagar is looking down on Sarah. And Hagar is basically saying to Sarah, I have the baby in my womb, not you. It will be me, not you, who provides Abraham with a child. And so we see rudeness coming out of Hagar. We see pride and snobbery coming out of Hagar. All that to say that she, even though she's the mother we're studying this morning, some tremendous lessons to learn from her, she was an imperfect person. And I think we can all relate to that because we're all imperfect. The second observation I would make of her is that she was living in less than ideal circumstances. She was not the only lady in Abraham's life. Look in verse number 5. And how the plot thickens a little bit. Then Sarah said to Abram, now this is before his name is changed to Abraham, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. In other words, she started looking down on me. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarah, indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, She fled from her presence. And so now Hagar, now she's imperfect. We've already seen that. But now she's being mistreated. Now Sarah is being very rude to her, and we see that she's living in less than ideal circumstances. We see, and see if you, in your life and in your family dynamic, if you ever experience any of these things, she's experiencing jealousy, conflict, strife, resentment, and anger. And so she's living in less than ideal circumstances. And then a third observation I would make about Hagar, she felt like she didn't fit in. You talk about the third will. I mean, this is the ultimate third will. Abraham and Sarah are married, and now Hagar is pregnant with Abraham's son, and yet she feels like even though I'm going to give birth to Abraham's son, I don't really fit in here because Sarah uh, was his first wife and his, his true wife, she would be thinking, and she's just thinking, I don't really fit in and I feel like a third wheel and eventually she lost all hope and we'll see that in a few moments so I'm just giving you that background to say as we think about Hagar as we think about now how can what do I have to learn from her how can I identify with her well I think we would all agree that we are imperfect 
I think most of us would say we're living in less than ideal circumstances. If not in our home, certainly in the world, we're living in less than ideal circumstances. And then there are others here today who would say, you know what, I don't really feel like I fit in in life. And as a result of all this, maybe you would say, I'm not hopeless, but I can just feel hope draining out of my life. Now, you know, as I've thought a lot about Mother's Day and what I would preach about today and what we'd be thinking about today, I know this. For many people today, Mother's Day is one of the happiest days of the year. For others today, this is one of the most difficult days of the year. And people have all different kind of emotions. And we need to be very sensitive to that and not just assume that everybody is celebrating today and that everybody is happy today. Now, the question is, does God today have a message of encouragement for those of us who feel like Hagar felt? Well, the answer to that is yes, and I want us to think about that this morning. First of all, we see that when we're feeling like Hagar felt, don't fit in, I'm an imperfect person, my world's not perfect, I'm losing hope, we discover some things. The first thing we discover is that God finds us wherever we are. Sometimes we feel like nobody notices us, or you may feel like today nobody sees you or understands what you're going through today, but I'm here to tell you that God knows what you're going through, and God finds us wherever we may be. Now, in Genesis chapter 16, that's where we are, I want you to look at verse number 7, because this is an interesting, interesting verse. It says, now the angel of the Lord found her, that is Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. So, Sarah has spoken harshly to Hagar, and Sarah has run her out of the house. And so now Hagar is on the run, and she has left where she was living for these years, and she's out in the wilderness, and uh, she's all alone. But notice what it says. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. Now, the next part, by the spring on the way to sure. Now, let's think about that for just a moment. When we read in the Bible, first of all, the wilderness, we think of a lush place, beautiful trees, green, you know, wild, you know, just beautiful bushes and trees and fruit and all these things. That's what we think of when we think of the wilderness. The, the word wilderness in the Old Testament could literally be and really maybe should literally be translated desert. The place where Hagar was was not lush and green with trees and fruit. It was the desert, and she is out there in the middle of the desert, and she's on her way to a place called Shur, S-H-U-R. Interestingly, interestingly, the word Shur means wall, W-A-L-L. And that city was probably named after the fact that a wall had been built. Shur was right on the Egyptian border. And Hagar is going back to her home in Egypt. And so she's in the desert, and she's headed towards Shur. And have you noticed in life that many times when we get in a desert experience, a dry experience, a difficult experience, that is often when we make some of our most unwise decisions. Many of the sins that we commit are committed in the desert when things are difficult and when things are dry. And many times we want to just go back, go back to what we used to have and go back to what's familiar to us. But so here she is in the desert and God finds her. Think about where he found her. Not only in the desert, he found her as she was headed to a place called Shur, which means wall. Here's one thing I've noticed in life. When we're in the desert in a dry season in life and we begin to go in the wrong direction, because see, 
Sarah had told Hagar to leave the house, but God had not told her to do that. God wanted her to stay. And in fact, we read in the very next verse that when God spoke to her, look in verse number 8. God said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. So God says, go back to where, go back home. You don't have any business out here. Go back to Abraham and Sarah, and I'm going to bless you there. But think about where she was. She's in the wilderness, in the desert. She's going in the wrong direction, and she's about to hit a wall. Sure, because there was this huge wall, the Egyptian border. Many people, and maybe today you're in the desert, and maybe you don't know which way to go, and maybe you're beginning to make some bad decisions, and maybe you're going in the wrong direction. And God is saying to you today, through His Word and through me, that if you don't turn around and go the right way, there's going to come a point out there where you're going to hit a wall. You're going to hit a dead end, and it's not going to work out for you. And so God finds us wherever we may be. Another word of encouragement that I find as I think about Hagar's life, and that is God hears our pain as well as our prayers. We know that God hears us when we pray, but did you know that God hears you when you hurt? Look in verse number 11. This is a tremendous verse that teaches that point. Genesis chapter 16 and verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael. Now watch this. Because the Lord has heard your affliction. doesn't say the Lord has heard your prayer. It says the Lord has heard your affliction. And that says to me that God hears our pain as well as our prayer. Sometimes when we're in pain, when our hearts are heavy, when we're out there in the desert and we can't even put our feelings into words, only a sigh, God hears that. Let me show you another verse out of the book of Psalms that talk about our pain. The psalmist said to God, you number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle are they not in your book? And so every time we cry and hurt, God hears that. As well as hearing our prayers, God hears our pain. And then God sees our situation. Look in verse number 13, because this is another tremendous word of encouragement for us today. It says, then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees. You are the God who sees. And I want to say to every person listening today, the person who says, John, I'm living in less than ideal circumstances. I mean, man, I just feel like this Mother's Day, everybody's celebrating. And for me, this is a hard day. And I just feel like I don't fit in quite as well. And I'm beginning to lose hope. I want to say this to you today. God knows where you are. God knows what you're facing. God knows how you feel. God understands every dynamic that you're going through in life. And God is right there with you in the midst of all of it. And then the fourth word of encouragement I would give for all of us today, and that is God provides for our needs. God provides for our needs. Now go to chapter 21 because this to me is where the story really gets interesting. By this time, Hagar has given birth to Ishmael, and uh, he's a teenager. He's 13 years old by now. Genesis chapter 21 is taking place 14 years after the account we just read in chapter number 16. 14 years later. And now in chapter 21, Sarah 
has finally conceived herself, and she has given birth to Isaac. And so now the promise that God made 25 years previous has come to pass. And in verse 8, we read Isaac is a baby, and it says the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, that is now, you're talking about a blended family. You talk about some ill will and challenging situations going on here. Sarah saw how the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, that is Ishmael, whom she had born to Abraham, was scoffing or laughing or making fun of little Isaac. Therefore, she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of the bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her Voice. Don't all you wives out there wish that your husbands would do that? Whatever Sarah says, you do it. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will make you a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water or a bottle of water and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar, and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba, and the water in the skin, the water bottle, was used up. And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. She's out there in the desert now and don't have any more water. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. She's thinking, "My Ishmael's going to die. We're both going to die, but he's younger. He'll die first. We can't survive in this heat with no water. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Verse 19, Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin or the bottle with water and gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness, and he became an archer. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, or Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. And so out there in the desert, I mean, talk about less than ideal circumstances. Now Hagar, you're talking about a single mom, she has become a single mom raising a teenager. And she's in the desert, and she's out of water, and she's thinking, he's going to die, and I'm going to die. And in verse 19, we read that God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. That says to me, and I want you to listen very carefully to this next statement, in your desert, wherever it may be, there is water. There's water in your desert. Now, that water doesn't come in a well. That water comes in a person. Jesus is the water. He is not only the bread of life, he's the water of life. And Jesus said, he who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. There's water in your desert. Now, again, as we think about Hagar, and as we think about her desert and her situation, it may be today, and probably is today, that you say, you know, there are a lot of things about Hagar that I can relate to. I'm living in less than ideal circumstances. 
Sometimes I feel like I don't quite fit in. And sometimes I feel like I'm losing hope. (laughs) My circumstances may be different from Hagar's, but I have that much in common with Hagar. Well, friend, I want to say this to you today. In the midst of that desert, and here was my prayer last night before I went to bed, the thought that was on my mind. If in the midst of that desert today, if God would open your eyes and help you to see that there is water in your desert, and that water is available to you in the person of Jesus Christ. But as God is opening your eyes and helping you to see that the water that will quench your thirsty soul is not coming from a well, it's coming from a person, it's coming from Jesus. But if God would also open your eyes today and help you to see that you too are an imperfect person. You know, the water of life, the water of Christ, the water of eternal life and and salvation is only available for those who will admit that they are imperfect sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. And we all have. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The water of life in Jesus Christ can only be consumed by those who, first of all, will admit their sinfulness and ask God to forgive them and save them. So we think about Hagar today. Listen to this. Living in less than ideal circumstances, most of us say we can relate to that, felt like she didn't fit in. She eventually lost hope. But how about the first thing I said? She was an imperfect person. She was a sinner. Has it ever dawned on you that you too are an imperfect, sinful, fallen person in need of God's grace, His mercy, and His forgiveness. And maybe it's just dawning on you now that that's true. I'm asking you today, would you be willing to admit that sin to God, confess that sin to God, ask Jesus Christ to come in your heart and forgive you of your sins and make you a Christian? And I'm telling you, if you'll do that today, He'll come into your life. And Mother's Day can be the greatest Mother's Day you've ever had in all your life, no matter what's going on in the family dynamic, because this could be the day that you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen? And so with our heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, John, I'm in the desert. No doubt about that. I'm thirsty and dry and going around in circles, and you're probably right. I'm kind of like Hagar. If I don't make some kind of change, I'm going to hit a wall. I'm going to hit a dead end. God, and it's not going to work out for me. Would you be willing today to turn around? Would you be willing to come to the feet of Jesus and admit and confess to him that you have sinned, that you have messed up? And not only that you have sinned, but that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. That's the first step in salvation. You cannot be saved without repenting of your sin. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. We talk a lot about trusting Christ and believing in Christ, and that's essential for salvation. But you can't trust Christ until you first repent of your sins. In the New Testament, it is always repent and then believe. Repentance always precedes faith. It's never believe and repent, but it's always repent and believe. And so today, if you are having difficulty believing, could it be 
that you've skipped over this step of repentance, turning from sin, confessing sin, asking God to forgive you of your sin, and just saying to God in whatever words you choose, God, I've messed up. I'm going in the wrong direction, and I need forgiveness. Could it be that today you need to turn from your sin and ask God to save you as John was just saying? You can. Won't you pray with me now? Dear Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Please make me to be the person you created me to be. In your name I pray, amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.